But before I do, I just want to just encourage you guys to, um, to go out and vote. This is very critical this year. This voting, um, this, this coming election is very critical. Um, probably the most critical one you'll ever see, I've ever seen. Because I'm seeing a lot of things I've never seen. I don't know about you, but that's okay. I'm just going to go with it and, and follow God and trust the Lord through it all. But the church got to be a voice. And the church should go to the polls and vote. And you are responsible who you vote for. What I mean by that, you don't want to vote for a person who is anti-Christ, anti-Bible, anti-God. So search the scripture and see what these people believe in before you vote for them. Because I really believe that I have to give an account to God who I voted for. And who you vote for will determine who you are. Think about that. I know a lot of people are frustrated. I know that some people, I've talked to some church members, they're frustrated too, but that's neither here nor there. We still go to the polls and vote and uh, put it in God's hands. At least you can say, I did my part. I tried to do something. Okay, so I just wanted to leave that with you. We are in Revelation chapter 2 book of Ephesus, and Paul was in Ephesus, Acts chapter 20. I'm going to go to Acts chapter 20, verse 17 first. That just came up here, that came to mind. You know how things just come to mind? That just came to mind. But before we go to Revelation 2, we go into Acts 20, because Paul was in Ephesus, and Ephesus was a very ungodly place. And Paul had it kind of rough. Wherever Paul went, Paul had it rough. Because Paul took a message that a lot of people didn't want to hear. Acts chapter 20, verse 17, from Miletus, he's sent to Ephesus, and he called for the elders of the, of the church. So he's in Ephesus talking to the Ephesian elders and he's, he addressed these Ephesian elders in a very unique way. He reveals Paul's heart as an evangelist and as a pastor and he's going to be there for three years but he's about to leave and he's going to warn them of some things. He's going to warn them of some dangers before he leaves. So from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, and he called for the elders of the church. And, he, and when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. 
and see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations awaits me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life to myself, a dear to myself, so that I might finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Holy Spirit to testify to the gospel of the grace of our God. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to, the, to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will arise up, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember for th uh, that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands has provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. You know, Paul was a tent maker, Acts 18. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus that he said it is best to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he, had knelt, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Sorry, most of all, for the words which he spoke that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. Paul closed this memorable occasion by kneeling down and praying with his friends. And then they all wept together. It is very difficult to say goodbye, to, especially to someone that you know and someone you loved. And Paul knew this church well. And he's given his farewell sermon to these and some warnings. Paul was not concerned about himself. Paul, he was concerned about the church and his future and wolves coming in, infiltrating the church. He warned the pastors to take heed for, first for themselves. And if they fail, if a pastor fails to maintain his own spiritual walk, the whole church suffers. There's many Pastors leave the pulpit and go preach politics and travel here and travel there and leave. Uh, 
The pastor must maintain his relationship above all. If no one else, he has to. He has to be able to listen. He has to be able to pray and seek the Lord. So Revelation 2, 1 through 7, the loveless church, Revelation 2, 1 through 7, to the angel of, of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are, who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To whom who overcomes, I will give him to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the, of the paradise of God. John was given a special message. There were seven churches, and John was given a special message to each church. I think each church has a special message, even today. Because all churches don't function exactly the same way. What I mean by that, the Holy Spirit can work in one church one way, and in another church another way, and in another church the other way. Paul here uh, in Asia Minor, the seven churches were congregations in Asia Minor of, in John's day. And the first church was Ephesus. Ephesus was the capital of Asia Minor, a center of, of land and sea trade established by Paul on the third missionary journey, Acts 19. And Paul pastored that church three years. Ephesus was the most important city in Asia. It was the most important city in Asia Minor when Revelation was written. It was the center of a worship of Antimus, or the goddess Diana, the goddess of fertility, whose temple was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. But it was worshipped. It was a strategic, a strategic commercial center in a great seaport. Paul founded this church at Ephesus before establishing, before sending Timothy as pastor. Many believe that John shepherded the church at Ephesus after Timothy, but John was probably living in Ephesus when he was taken captive on the island of Patmos. But Paul ministered in Ephesus Ephesus for three years, and he warned the Ephesian elders of the danger. So in verse 2, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven lampstands. The angel of the church as signifying the message or the pastor referring to. We said that last week in 
chapter 1, verse 20. These things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, which seven stars which are messengers, are pastors of the, se of the seven churches. We said that last week in Revelation 1, 16. The messengers were pastors of the churches. The church of God is, even today, is a, is a vehicle of changing the world. If the world is going to be changed, it's going to be changed through God's people. Unbeliever, he's already lost. We walk in the midst, he said, who walks in the midst of the, of the golden lampstand, which are the seven churches we covered last week. You know, how thrilling it is that Christ would walk in the midst of the churches, in the midst of the believers, holding their hands, holding the church in the palm of his hand because he is the head of the church. No man is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. This gives me Christian security. I'm secure in Christ. So I'm not looking for any security out there someplace. I don't care who went the office or the presidency. Well, I do care because I don't want the wrong man in there. But my security is in Christ. And if your security is not in Christ, you're going to vacillate. You're going to be in and out, up and down, back and forth, unstable. But he said he walked in the midst of his church and he's walking with you. So don't ever think that you are walking alone because he's walking with you. Just because you don't feel his presence doesn't mean that he's not there. I know your works, your labor, verse 2, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have been found liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my namesake, and have not become weary. You know, the Lord is very gracious of commending this church of some things that they were doing right. And it was some things this church was doing right. To begin with, there was a servant church. They were a busy church working for the Lord. No doubt this, they probably had uh, weekly schedules filled with Bible studies and different activities. It was also a sacrificing church. They labored for the word. They toiled to the point of exhaustion. The Ephesian Christians paid a price to serve the Lord, though. It's always a price to pay when you serve Christ. You're going to have to count the cost if you're going to be a Christian. They were, they were steadfast. It was, they, assembly, they were steadfast assembly. Uh, they were patient. And they, en they endured under trials. But they kept going. And that's something you got to learn today. When you don't feel like it, you got to keep going. When you don't know what's around the corner, you got to trust God and you got to keep going. You got to keep going forward. Now, I don't know who's going to go with you, but you, I'm talking to somebody, you got to go forward. These, this church in Ephesus went forward when things were tough. But Paul said they had not become weary. They stayed with the task. 
You got to stay with the task. They stayed, they stayed the course and they did not deviate from the course. That's what the church has to do now. Stay the course and do not deviate from the course. They continued to believe when things were not going well. They were diligent in their efforts and they did not quit. This church had a lot of things going for it. He said, you, got a, you know, you got a lot of things going for it. The Christian in Ephesus had suffered patiently, possessed high, they had high standards, and they exercised spiritual discernment. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. This, this church had spiritual discernment. There were people coming in the church saying that they were apostles, this church knew the word of God so well, they tested it, and they found out that those people was liars. He said, I know your works. It's a, it's a phase that appears in every letter as a, a statement of recognition. He said, I recognize what you guys do. I know your work. I see what you do. He commended them for what they're doing. They're doing some things right. And he commends them for hard working church, patient, tolerating evil people. It was, you know, suffering without quitting. And they, didn't, they did not tolerate evil people. Verse two. Many people think it's wrong to judge heresy or it's wrong to judge wickedness. But this church did. John 7, 24, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. There is a righteous judgment. A believer is never to judge a person as far as character and motives are concerned, because I can't judge a person's character or their motives because I can't see the person's heart. I mean, I could do it, but it'd be wrong. So a believer is never to judge a person's character or motives, but he should definitely judge the individual's doctrine when that doctrine is heretical and when wickedness comes into a person's life, we are to judge it. We are not to be like the Corinthians church and ignore it. And Paul rebuked them for it. The church in Ephesus had steadfastly refused to tolerate sin among its members. This was not easy in a city noted for immoral sexual practices associated with the worship of the goddess Artemis. Right now, we also live in a time of, wild, of just widespread sin and immorality everywhere. And it is popular. Some people say, you know, you just got to be open minded. No, you don't. You have to call it what it is. You know, uh, if it was sin, then it's sin now. And, and God doesn't deviate from that. But when the body of believers begin to tolerate sin in the church. It's lowering its standards. And it's compromising. It's witness. When a body of believers begin to tolerate sin in the church, you have just lowered the standards and you are compromising 
the church's witness. You, you, the church has lost its influence in the world because the world is watching. The world is watching. Remember that God, God's approval is more than the world's approval. We're trying to please God here. We are not trying to please the world. So we let it ring. Use God's word, people. Not what people around you are willing to accept. They might not be willing to accept you because you use the word of God. When you use the word of God today, some people said you're using hate, hate speech. Uh, that's what they say. It's not. But God's word is a foul authority, and he sets the standard. But this church, they had spiritual discernment because they knew the word of God. And the word of God said we should touch the spirits and see if they be of God. We should test the spirits. How do we test the spirit? By the word of God. We should test all things, the Bible said, and hold fast to what is good. In, a, in America, people, people determine a church by the size, usually. In America, people usually determine a good church by the size of the church. If you have a big church, then your church is successful. If you have a small church, your, your church is not. But let me tell you something. Just because a church is a large church doesn't necessarily mean that they are successful in the eyes of God. See, see, God knows. I don't care how big the church is. They can go on TV, camera, or whatever, but God knows. Now, they can fool me. They might can fool you, but they're not going to fool him. Just because the church is big doesn't necessarily mean it's successful in God's eyes. It might be successful in man's eyes because they have a lot of people. I know a lot of big churches, not all, but I know some are teaching false doctrine. And the church is full of people. And I'm thinking, don't those people read the Bibles? Are they going to sit there and listen to him? Well, I guess not. The church in Ephesus knew the word of God, and they had discernment. And they tested those who said they were apostles, and they found them to be liars because they knew sound doctrine. Paul was there three years, and Paul taught him. And that's what I want here. Well, I want you to know the word so good, so when you hear something flaky, false teaching, and false doctrine, you know right away, that's not right, man. I'm not going to receive that. Because Paul says he had the same thing in 2 Corinthians 11. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transferring themselves into the apostles of Christ. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transfer themselves, transfers themselves into ministers of righteousness. The church of Ephesus could not tolerate sin. But there was wheat among the tares. There was sheep. Wolves clothing. So we have to test everything. Verse 4, nevertheless, here's a bad thing. Nevertheless, when he says that, you know something's coming. They all, all this good stuff, they, okay, he commends them for it, but nevertheless, verse 4, I have this against you. You have left your first love. 
how true of the multitudes today. You know, maybe some of us, when we were first saved, we, we loved Jesus. We would do anything for Jesus. Anything. Anything. Now, he better be glad that we showed up. We're doing him a favor just by showing up on Sundays. Oh, really? You used, how many people here have left their first love uh, reading the word, attending church services? How many people have left their first love by maybe witnessing? This church, so many churches today have lost their focus. When we don't put Christ first and lose our first love, everything else is out of order. Your whole life is out of order then. Jesus wants to be first. And you know what? I'm not getting down on this church because this could happen to anybody. Did you know that? You neglect the word, you, you, whatever you neglect, I don't care what it is, it's going to fall apart. It can be your home, it can be your car, it can be your church, it can be your business, it can be your marriage, it can be your children. Whatever that you don't put forth any effort, you're just going to neglect it. Proverbs said, by neglect, the house fell down. He didn't say Satan knocked the house down. It said the house fell down by neglect. So we have a responsibility. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Notice he, did, he doesn't say they lost their first love. He didn't say they lost their first love because he's always there. But they left their first love. In the first steps of your Christian life, you may have had enthusiasm. You might didn't have much, not much knowledge, but you had enthusiasm. Now we have we have knowledge but no enthusiasm. Both are necessary. So your first love, what is it? It's devotion to Christ. Relationship with him. You know, it's just like anything you nurture Try to get it stronger and stronger, especially now in these last days. What I do every day is build my faith. Every day. Because I know we're headed for a collision course, and if my faith is not strong, I'm going to be up and down, back and forth, in and out. I want to be strong in the Lord. We got problems. Lots of them. But I'm going to continue to build my faith. I'm going to continue to trust him. I spend a lot of time in his word and prayer. I spend a lot of time listening. Because maybe God is going to do something different here in these last days. I think he will. Some say, well, Satan is shaking this world. Well, Satan probably is, but maybe God is shaking it too. Hmm.
I meet a lot of people when I walk. I like to walk because I like to meditate, think, clear my head when I walk. And I was in this place last week. I was a laundromat right across the street from my house. I just walked in the laundromat and I just had a few things I wanted to wash. So I went in there and this lady came in and sat down and pulled out a bottle of liquor, you know, a little old bottle like this and just drank it down. I couldn't believe it. And if that wasn't enough, she opened up her purse and got a bottle like this and started drinking out the bottle straight. See, uh, I had prayed the Holy Spirit put me in touch with somebody I can talk to today. That is my prayer every day. Well, when I saw her drink that liquor, I said to myself, okay. I prayed the prayer. There's a woman over there drinking like... Anyway, I said, you're not going to find peace in that bottle, lady. I said, all the drinking in the world is not going to give you peace. Only Christ can give you peace. Well, I had a bad day and just got out of jail. I said, well, that could be. And look across the street, my car broke down. Well, it was broke. It was broke down. But I told her, do you really think that drinking is going to solve your issues? I said, only Christ can do that. She didn't want to hear that. And she gets up and walks away. So at least I had a chance to plant the seed. When, when I pray and when I ask God to put people in my midst, and that's my prayer every day, I believe everyone that comes in contact with me is by divine appointment. That's why I don't shelter down. I don't stay in the house. It drives me nuts. Now, if you want to do it, I'm not knocking you. If you're sick, that's, I understand that. I'm just saying, I'm trying to win souls for Christ because the rapture could happen at any time. Anyway, back to the story. Verse 5, you're going to tell me to do one thing. They left their first law verse. Remember, first of all, you got to remember. Therefore, from where you have fallen, and do what? Repent. And do your first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. They had a lot of things going on, but he said, man, you got to, number one, you got to remember how it was when you first came to Christ, how excited you were. And he said, you got to repent. Give your heart totally to Christ. And you got to repeat the first work. Those things you did for Christ when you first, man, just go back. But he said, first of all, you got to go back and remember where you have fallen. Restoration begins with remembering where you fell. Now, Anything, I know Jesus want to be first in our life, and anything that takes the place of Christ is an idol. I can tell my idol by how I spend my time. If I give 
whatever all my time and not giving Christ my time, then that whatever it is is an idol. He said, remember how you used to witness, read the word, how you were just motivated. Man, you just, you ran, you ran to go. But he told him also, repeat the things that you did at first. He told him to repent. What does that mean? Change, one, change one's mind. You got, to, you got to reverse that course you're going on. Repentance is, is not necessarily shedding tears or feeling sorry. I was talking to my next door neighbor, and he was telling me he just got out of prison. I don't know where I'm getting all these folks from, but I asked for opportunity. Okay, you got to watch what you pray for. I asked for opportunity, so they sent a halfway house right next door to my house, a halfway house. Druggies, alcohols, ex-cons, felons. And I got what I asked for. But I'm getting a chance to witness, boy. I'm getting a chance, and I feel so good. Because I've gone, I've gone out and didn't say something. I've prayed for opportunity and didn't say anything. I felt bad all day, all day, because I said I wanted opportunity. I want people in my path that I can talk to. And if God sent me someone, if I don't say nothing, I just feel like, man, what was wrong with me? Why didn't you open your mouth and say something? I feel bad all day about it. So something to remember. So he told him. To repent, that means change your mind. Repeat those things that you did at first. And it's an act of your own will. Because wherever your will goes, wherever your will is, your heart is going to follow. Because Jesus said where a man's treasure is, that is what's going to be his heart. He said, repent, do your first words, or someone will come quick and remove the lampstands. He's talking about immediate judgment from these. And he said uh, he will remove his presence. Some believe that he will remove his presence from the church. Some say unless the church repents, the church would be useless for the things of Christ. A congregation made to continue to, con- to exist without being a light in the darkness. A church can continue to exist for years and years and still not be a light in darkness. This church would cease to be effective, he said, unless they repented and go back to their first love. You know, and Christ is the source of light. But unless Christ is working in that church, the church is going to no place because only Christ can build a church. Verse 6. But this you have, that you hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The word Nico means to uh, conquer. Laetans means the people. He said, you have hated the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. God said when he hates something, that means he hates it. Notice he didn't say he hated the people. He hated the actions of the people, 
We don't hate people. We hate the doctrine of a false teacher. We hate the doctrine of the occult, of the occult, but we don't hate the people. He said, I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitan means to conquer the people. It was a sect of people that lorded over God's church and they tried to rob the people of their liberty in Christ. They initiated what we know today as clergy or laity. The problem was the exaltation of the clergy over the laity. It was a religious dictatorship allowing little freedom to its members. They would tell you where to go, who to marry, what car to drive, complete control over the people. You know, Peter said we should lord over God's people. First Peter said we should lord we shouldn't lord over God's heritage. The people doesn't belong to the pastor, the people belong to Christ. But these religious leaders tried to impose rules and regulation, and they were so legalistic. They were a big high, hierarchy, and they had to try to rule over the people so much. And God said, I hate that. I hate it. Trying to control people. They, they thought they were superior to other people in the church. He said, I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. He's going to mention it again in this chapter. Verse 15, he's going to say it again. I mentioned it again. I hate it. The pastor is to come behind the pulpit and preach the word of God and mind his own business. You know that? You don't belong to me. You're not my flock. I'm the overseer. And you're going to answer to Christ. So I want to make sure that I don't get involved in people's business in the church. I do counsel people. If people want to talk to me, then I will counsel them. If they want to talk to me, they have my phone number. But, you know, whether you go to Safeway or whether you go or what do you do when you walk out those doors, it's totally on you. My job is to come out here and to preach the word and to bring it. What he said the last verse, and we'll close with this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes. Now he says this to everyone, every book. Who has an ear, that spiritual ear. Let him hear. In other words, if the shoe fits, wear it. Let him hear what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit says to the churches. Not what the man says, what the Holy Spirit says. To him who overcomes, I, I would give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Hmm. Sinful man was banned from the tree of life in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam sinned. But Jesus came to give us abundant life. We, we can enjoy his blessings now. The tree of life in the paradise was lost by the fall 
but it was restored by the Redeemer. God planted that tree of life in Eden. You can read Genesis 2.9, Genesis 3.24. When Adam sinned, this tree disappeared from human history, but now it's mentioned again in Revelation 2.7, Revelation 22.2, in Revelation 22, verse 14, it's mentioned again. God and believers are restored into perfect fellowship through the Son of Jesus Christ. And that's why he got on this church so hard is because they had broke that fellowship. God made man for fellowship. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to hang out with me. He said, him overcomes. Yeah, we'll overcome because we believe it's in Christ. We trust in the shared blood of Christ. So we are going to overcome. You are going to make it. You are going to get there. This church was busy, but it's left a first love. You can be busy doing good things, and I've done it, and leave your first love. Doing good things. Just like uh, Martha was distracted. Mary, you know, she sat at Jesus' feet and heard the word, but Martha, she was, the Bible says, in Luke 10 that she was distracted and it says she was distracted by serving so I got to read that scratching my head wait a minute she was serving and still distracted so you can be serving doing good things and still miss that kind of near that union that fellowship with Christ and, and you're doing good things like this church in Ephesus, they did good things. But he said, I have one thing against you. What about just me and you, fellowship? What about us? I understand your works. And he commended them for it, but he said, you've left. The most in thing, the most important thing in your life today is Christ. Amen. Everything else is going to be shaky, man. He's their true foundation. You can see it crumbling. You can see it then the only thing that's going to keep you stable in these last days is going to be Christ. And if you're not hanging out with him, first of all, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You ought to be ashamed of yourself because he sure wants to hang out with you. Because everything you need, he's got it. So watch what you're searching for, looking for answers the answers are found in Christ. Fellowship with him. You can find guidance for your life. You can find direction. You can find God's will for your life. You can find peace. You can find harmony. You can find assurance. Everything that you need, he's got it. So with that being said, let's learn from this church of Ephesus this morning. And not lose our first love. Because if you lose your first love, everything else will be out of order. Father, we're so thankful for your word this morning. Lord, we're thankful that we can come, we can hear. Lord, we're thankful that we can 
just learned from this church in Ephesus. And I just pray, Lord, that you would show us how important it is to have that time, that fellowship with you. And Lord, we just pray, if there's anyone here this morning that does not know you as a personal Savior, that you would convict them right now and draw them to you. Is there anyone here that does not know Jesus Christ as a Savior? If you want Christ, just raise your hand. We'll pray for you. We invite Christ to come into your life. Anyone here? Father, we thank that we can meet today, so we ask you to strengthen each one and encourage their hearts, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's